everyone. Praise God for this wonderful time, a time of uh, praise and thanksgiving, a time where we can just gather together away from the rat race out there. We can come in here to a place of peace, tranquility, the peace that passes all understanding, knowing that Jesus has saved you from your sin. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 1, 21. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would anoint me through your Holy Spirit. Help me to say those words that you would have me say and not to say anything else. Lord, I pray you direct my thoughts and my tongue. Lord, help me to bring glory and honor to you. Help those that listen. They'd be encouraged. They'd be challenged. They'd be convicted for your name's sake. Lord, I pray that you would bless your holy word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, you're all familiar with this scripture at Christmas time. And she shall bring forth the Son and shall call his name Jesus, not Yeshua, Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Amen? Amen. And the reason why I say not Yeshua, because the text was originally Greek. And the Greek is Jesus. In other words, Jesus. Jesus. Praise God. Okay, well this time, you know, this time of year, you know, we hear so many different things. But his name will be called Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. Why do we need a Savior? The saving aspect is the rescue. We cannot talk about the Savior unless we talk about what is he saving us from? What is he saving us from? Well, for sure, he's saving us from eternal judgment. He's saving us from the fires of hell. But in this day and age, many say there is no hell. How can you say there's hell? God is a God of love. He loves everyone. The unbeliever does not want to believe in hell. So, what the unbeliever does, he'll eliminate parts of Scripture. So, he only has to talk about the loving things, the good things. But, truly, God is a loving God because he judges sin. Like a good father, he chastens his children when they disobey. 
The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is grown old, he will not depart from it. I'm paraphrasing, but <laughs> you remember that verse. So, what good is it to only preach on half the book? You need the other half. You can't eliminate John 14. You can't eliminate Revelation 20. Revelation says that for those who are not written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. They were cast into hell, along with the beast and the false prophet. Those were humans, too, that will also suffer eternal judgment. The nature of sin requires judgment from Almighty God. You can never escape His judgment. You see, Hollywood has, like, distorted everything so that now, you know, kids growing up watching TV or movies, or they have a, a misconception, or at least... Even if they're hearing the right message, they also see this message, so it's confusing to them. But God is not the author of confusion. The nature of sin requires judgment, and there's no escape. You know, so, you know, in church, we preach and we talk about hell. We talk about God's judgment. What is the purpose? We want to tell you about the Savior. We want to tell you about what he's saving you from. God does not lie. Every promise that he has offered us, he has made good on his promise. Amen? So we know that whatever is in this holy book, the living word of God, and by the way, I use the same King James Version 1611 that, that you folks use. We're in a non-denominational church at Atlanta Kills Chapel, but I preach from God's Word. Amen? I'm not going to preach from the NIV or the ESV or something else because it's just not. It's just like I was saying. They eliminate part that's uncomfortable for them. They don't want to say everything. Many, many pastors don't preach on hell. But it's so important to preach about what Jesus is saving us from. He loved us so much that he, became, he that knew no sin became sin for us. Because we, we heard that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So the wages... The wages. What, what can we earn from sinning? But it's death. It's eternal death. It's a spiritual death. So, you know, many ask me, you know, why do you ask people to come to church? Why do you preach God's word? Why do you knock on doors and go soul winning? Why do you do all this stuff? For us, it's worth the time and effort because we're 
part of the kingdom of God. We're saved by grace through faith. We've asked Christ already to be our personal Savior. And they put you in a position where you're before a holy God. You must confess your sins. And so then, you're sealed upon belief. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So then you're able to do all those things. Different things come to your recollection. But we believe it's worth the time to share about the rescue. It's worth our time. We care about the loss. Amen? And actually, we're following orders because we've been given a commission to go into all the world. And so we give the gospel to you. And I believe that the world is out there waiting to hear the message. They're out there waiting for the witness. They're out there waiting for you to knock on the door and say, hello, I'd like to share with you about the joyous thing that's happened to me. Really, what, what happened? You hit the lottery? No, better than that. <laughs> I have, like next door, social security. I have here eternal security. Amen? The world is out there waiting for us to be a witness. But in God's message, he talks about the physical death, the spiritual death, to all those that reject God's plan of salvation. There's many, many different religions out there. Everyone tries to pick the one that tickles their ear, makes them feel good. But though, you know, it basically tells us in John, everybody knows John 3.16, but 3.17 and 18, that those that believe are not condemned, but those that believe not are condemned already. They're already on their way to hell and they don't even know it. They've already been judged and convicted until they believe. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? And also, he talks about the second death, the eternal death. The death that continues, that goes on. And that those that reject God's plan of salvation, they reject Jesus Christ as the Son of God, they reject Jesus Christ as the Savior, they will continue on sinning even in hell. They will continue. All the more reason for God's justice. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm just going to read 1 through 3, just to go over again. You know, here's the thing. 
Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else in the Bible. Jesus was a hellfire preacher. You look at Matthew chapter 5, talks all about hell. And Paul talks about it to the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, chapter 1, 1 through 3. And you hath been he quickened. In other words, brought to life. And you hath he quickened. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, those that keep rejecting, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. The children of wrath. Even as others, we're no different. We were saved by grace through faith. So it's interesting. Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 16. Remember this story. Luke 16, chapter, or verse 19 through 31, it's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate, who was laid at his gate, full of sores from just laying and desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. They were his only friends, were those dogs. And it came to pass that when the beggar died, he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted his, up his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham from afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Abraham's bosom was a, a place of rest where souls honoring God could rest until Jesus came. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. All right, Jesus, here he said it twice. It's torment, it's flame. Now, does Jesus lie? No, that's what it is. A lot of people just believe in annihilationism. They believe that when you're dead, that's it, poof, you're gone. Some people believe in universalism, where it's like, oh, we, you know, so it's according to your good works. It's according to what you did right. Verse 
But Abraham said to, Laz to uh, the rich man's son, Remember that thou art in thy lifetime, receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. There it is. There's that word again, torment. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. You, know, picture, you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Picture the Grand Canyon. You, know, you try to jump from one end to the other. You know, evil can evil couldn't even do it. Between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest sent him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead. It doesn't mean anything to a lot of people. It doesn't mean anything. Well, here we can see Jesus is telling you exactly what hell is like. Eternal separation. Eternal torment. The flame. It's never quenched. So we have this description of hell. We see that it's a constant, it's, a, it's in our consciousness, the torment. It's not like we go to sleep. We're conscious through the whole thing, not unconscious. He tells us that we're going to feel the pain, the suffering. And worst of all, sometimes the remembrance. We're going to be tormented with the remembrance of every time we went to the church service and there was an invitation to come forward and we never did. There's going to be an invitation. How many invitations did I say no to? How many times did I say no to go into a Bible study? How many times did I say no when somebody invited me to church? At all those times, that remembrance is going to be constantly in our mind. So we are excited for the chance for there to be a change in somebody's life. This is what we're really celebrating at Christmas time. We're really celebrating. It's a chance where we can really give, you know, like Linus on peanuts. 
They, people don't realize how, how big that was. That came out in the 1960s when it was all talking about free love and stuff like that. And, and so then it is Snoopy's Christmas or Charlie Brown's Christmas. And here's Linus reading from Luke chapter 2 in the KJV. It's big, folks. It was real big. But praise God. And still, I, I praise God when you're walking through the malls now and you, you'll hear some of the hymns. They'll be playing a hymn. Holy cow. Kids can't even sing hymns in, in school anymore. But the hymns are being played. Praise God. That's because of Christian influence, folks. So we're excited to see a change in someone's life. We don't want to see them eternally separated from Almighty God. But this torment, you know, once, like he told, like he told the rich man, you can't, it's, it's done. You came through that door, the door's locked. You can't, you're not getting out. That's it. That's final. The judgment is final. You might be able to see what's going on, but you're not able to get there. It's final. So that kind of, his message in his story about the rich man and Lazarus, it tells you. Now, I was saved through from Catholicism 1983. I went to Bible Baptist of Westchester, heard Pastor Ed Griffith speak on a message. Changed my heart. I had my four-year-old son with me. I picked him up. We both walked to the altar and accepted Christ as my Savior. So there's no more purgatory. There's no, this idea of purgatory where somehow somebody else is going to be able to work you out of torment into heaven. That's, that's not what Jesus said. He said, once it's done, it's done. This guy, the rich man, his character is fixed where he is. Eternal suffering, and the suffering will only intensify. Let's go to Jude, chapter, Jude verse 7. Jude verse 7. And we'll look at 15 also. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and go, going after strange flesh or set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Is it just separation from God? No. The vengeance against the sin, the vengeance against you resisting Jesus Christ, the vengeance where he has to judge sin, leads to a vengeance of eternal fire. Verse 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, 
complainers walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. I mean, this is what the, the rich man enjoyed. He enjoyed that for a time. Now it's over. It's over. Let's turn to Revelation 20 just to renew. Revelation 20, verse 10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Fire and brimstone. Anybody know what brimstone is? <laughs> just think of burning sulfur. Like, just, just think of embers. Like, just continually burning. Verse 11. And as I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Okay, the ungodly, the unbeliever, the lost, and those that followed the beast. Verse 12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Like I say, you're not going to escape his judgment. He sees everything. Every little thing he tried to hide from God, guess what? He, he knows all that. So if you haven't accepted Christ as Savior, you have this to look forward to, folks. And the death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So a physical death, a spiritual death, and now the second death, eternal death. Let's go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 30. Give me a said, I hope I didn't get anybody a paper cut going through your Bible too much. <laughs> so Matthew 25, 30 says, he's talking about those who were unfaithful. Verse 29 says, For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, so some people have a problem. If it's a lake of fire... How can it be outer darkness? You know, how's that possible? But Jesus says fire too many times to say it's not. Jesus says it's suffering too many times to say it's not. Jesus says it will be painful to us, the remembrance and other things, too many times. For it not to have happened. 
or not to have, for him not to have meant it. But yet, man is still more or less a gambler. You see, now on TV, you see all these gambling ads. Everything's gamble, gamble, gamble. Well, it's fitting to many because they're going to gamble that the good they have done in their life will outweigh the bad somehow. This is what, this is one of these mixed up Hollywood things that they're thinking about. You know, this time, at Christmas time, I really hate the Christmas carol. I really hate that story. Why? I mean, it's good that Ebenezer Scrooge now doesn't want to be a skinflint, and he's going to help everybody and little tiny Tim. But why? What's the change of heart? Just because he saw his grave and nobody cared about him? If he truly saw, like the rich man, what hell was like, he would be shaken to accept the message that Jesus gives. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, for my yoke is light. Bring your burden to me. You know, a lot of folks, you know, I go, I go so when I talk to people, a lot of folks say the, say the same thing. They say, I don't know. I don't know, Pastor. I, I've, like, done so many bad things in my life. I don't think that I'm deserving. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to make it. The Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe, and you shall be saved in your house. Believe. It's not difficult. But you have to realize who Jesus is. But when a person says they want to gamble and say, like, I'm just going to tell the Lord about all, well, guess what? The books have already been opened. So God already knows everything. But somehow he thinks he's going to be able to gamble and say that, you know, my, my good deeds will outweigh the bad. But what does God's word say? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, 8. Or 17, 9. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who shall know it? How about Proverbs? Trust in the Lord always and lean not on your own understanding and always acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And Isaiah says it proper. The righteousness of man are as filthy, disgusting, rotten rags. Can you imagine holy, almighty God Going through your dirty laundry, your filthy rags. How are you going to be able to gamble that? Tell Jesus today that you believe. Tell him that you believe.
this holiday season, you want to be ready. You want to be ready to be a witness. You want to be ready to win souls for Christ. Like I said, we've been given that commission. We need to tell people what they're saved from. The Bible tells us, as we saw, that hell is eternal punishment. That those that go to hell will be resurrected to a body that is fitting for an eternity in hell. Where the flame dies not, where the worm never stops, never quenched. body will be suited for eternal punishment in the lake of fire. We are comfortably, comfortably distance ourselves from the reality of hell. That's what happens today through Hollywood and other things. Everywhere, you know, no sin really bothers anybody. No sin really bothers every, anybody except maybe pedophilia. That's probably the last one. I mean, even murder. If you feel the person deserves to die, then somehow murder's justified. That's the way the world thinks. They took a survey. Of all the people that they surveyed, 75% believed there was a hell. There is a hell. But only 4% believe that they'll ever go there. There's no chance. But like we said in John 3, 17 and 18, you're already headed there. Those that do not believe are condemned already. Let's go to Romans chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, Therefore thou art inexcusable. He's talking about all the people that have already witnessed the power of Almighty God, the one true God. And if you constantly resist God's telling or showing or your, the enlightenment that he gives you and you just brush it off, could become a reprobate one day. But God said, oh, that's enough. So in verse 1 says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. Remember Jesus 
Whosoever is without sin, cast the first stone. Then tells the woman, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. Verse 2 says, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doeth the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? You know, just, just because you didn't get struck down by lightning for what you did, don't think that he doesn't know about it. And he has eternity. God is eternal. He's long-suffering. He has forbearance. But you don't know the goodness of God. It says, not knowing the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You know, just because you refuse to go to the Bible studies, just because you refuse to go to church, just because you don't want to answer the invitation and come forward at the end of service, doesn't mean God's not going to give you another chance going to keep giving you chances. But don't, but don't think that that's on your side. 1 Corinthians says, now is the accepted time. Now is the time of salvation. We can't put it off. You got to do something now. And then in chapter, or chapter 2, verse 5, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart. See, that's the other problem. The more you resist, the more calloused your heart becomes. The more, resist, the more you resist. He says, but after thy hardness and penitent heart, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of Almighty God. It's true judgment. There has to be judgment. For there are consequences to sin. One of the greatest things you can teach your children, other than all about the gospel and Jesus Christ, is that there's consequences to everything. Every action has a consequence. You might not see it right away, but there's a consequence. Maybe not so much anymore because the way traffic is, you run a red light, the cop's going to pull you over and give you a ticket and probably points against your insurance. Moving violation. There are consequences to every action. We need to teach our children about the consequences to sin. But to this day, day and age, 
The behavior has no consequence. You saw the looting in Upper Darby. No consequence. Right is wrong, wrong is right. Black is white, white is black. But there are consequences to sin. You think you got away with it, but like it says here in verse 5, it's just added to the wrath that's the wrath that's already waiting for you. It's more wrath upon wrath. And Almighty God talks about hell way back in the Pentateuch. Let's go to Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 22. It says, For a fire is kindled in my anger. So Almighty God, for a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell, and shall consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. He says, talks about hell too many times for not to be a hell. Talks about too uh, term, turmoil, tumult, Punishment, everlasting punishment, too many times for there not to be one. So all, all through, Jesus talks about it. In Matthew 5.22, he says to go into the fiery hell. Talks about hell. Remember in, in 5.29 and 30, he talks about if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. If thy arm offend thee or hand or leg or whatever, cut it off. It's better to live without a limb or an appendage than to be cast into hell. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Let's go there. Matthew 10, 28. Jesus says, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body. Where? In hell. Fear, almighty God. Solomon says that's the beginning of wisdom. It's the fear of God. But again, this day and age, the behavior has no consequence. No consequence. When Junior comes home and tells his mother, oh, I've decided to become a homosexual. Mother becomes an advocate for homosexuality. This is how society is right now. We have to talk about hell when we're sharing about salvation. We have to. 
Like I said, salvation is the rescue from an actual real place that Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 16. He talked about that real place with Lazarus enjoying the bosom of Abraham, waiting for Jesus. But the rich man suffering untold torment. But it's easy. It's easy. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Like the Philippian jailer says, believe and thou shalt be saved. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message in your holy word. We pray for the conviction to our hearts. Lord, we just pray while every eye is closed, every head bowed. Father, we pray there's somebody listening that they would heed the call to believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We pray that they would ask Jesus to come into their life. Dear Lord, we know that like the Bible says it's appointed everyone to die and then the judgment. But the Bible says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We know that you have promised us eternal life. We pray that this one who has been heard today, his heart convicted, would come forward and ask you to be his Savior. We know that we're all going to die, Lord. The question is, where are we going to go? The Bible tells us that we're condemned already if we don't believe. So now we have a chance to believe. Jesus, this almighty God, came to earth as a human man, a little baby in a manger, one day to grow up and to die on a cross for our sins, to be buried and to suffer judgment in hell for three days. And then God raises him out. And Psalm 2 says, This day have I begotten you. Jesus is begotten. Victorious over sin. Victorious over death. And securing our eternal fellowship with him in heaven. To them that believe, he gave power to become the sons of God. We have a chance. We don't want to pass up the chance. We ask for salvation. We believe in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection.
We believe in what he's done for us. Take away all of our sins as far as the east is from the west. We look forward to our resurrection and his appearance. We look forward to an eternal life with Almighty God in Christ. So we just asked for this one, Lord, this one that might be out there. We pray that he would come forward, she come forward. We pray for your eternal working in his or her life. We pray for an everlasting eternity in joy with Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.